Welcome to the Blackout Podcast. This podcast offers our community a dual perspective of black people who serve our community as law enforcement officers through thoughtful discussion, debate, and articulation of facts with some reasonable opinion. Our communities are struggling to coexist, and this podcast serves as a bridge to help reconcile these two communities. Be sure to like, subscribe, and follow to keep up with our page on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. I woke up this morning and figured I'd call you in case I'm not here tomorrow. I'm hoping that I can borrow a piece of mind. I'm behind on what's really important. My mind is really distorted. I find nothing but trouble in my life. I'm fortunate you believe in a dream. This orphanage we call a ghetto is quite a routine. And last night was just another distraction or a reaction of what we consider madness. I know exactly what happened. You ran outside when you heard my brother cry for help. Held him like a newborn baby and made him fail. Like everything was alright in a fight he tried to put up But the type of bullet that stuck had went against his will That's blood uh, Thank you for joining me You are the king Yeah, yeah, I love that King of the class man. Take your crown, king This is C-Dub And you're here listening to the Black Cop Podcast It is a pleasure to have you with me You could have been, you could have been anywhere else in the world But you're here with me Again, thank you Thank you for joining me Um so today, we're going to dig into the story of Stavion Rodriguez. It's a 15-year-old young man who lost his life due to an officer-involved shooting. The district attorney is charging all five of those officers with first-degree manslaughter, and these were the officers who fired the lethal rounds that night. Newly released body cam and surveillance video today showing the intense moments <laughs> leading to the shooting death of Stavian Rodriguez, who police say robbed a convenience store at gunpoint before they arrived. Police giving him several verbal commands before you see him climb out of the drive-through window, lifting his shirt and then putting his hands up before taking out a gun and dropping it. He reaches toward his back pocket before several officers open fire. Tonight, five of the six officers who shot at Stavian are charged with first-degree manslaughter. Court documents say those five, quote, all unnecessarily fired lethal rounds at Stavian, which caused his death. The sixth officer, not charged, fired a non-lethal weapon. Court documents also say Stavian didn't have any other weapons, but they did find a cell phone in his back pocket. The Fraternal Order of Police issued a statement today standing by the officers. They say, quote, Officers must make life and death decisions in a split second, relying on their training. When an armed robbery suspect did not obey police commands, five officers perceived the same threat and simultaneously fired their weapons. And tonight, those officers are on paid administrative leave. And of course, this is a case that's gotten a lot of attention here in the community. And so coming up tonight at six, we're going to hear from some of those who were involved in protests earlier this year and even last year about uh, this shooting. Reporting live tonight, Paris Jones, KOCO 5 News. 
Thank you, KLCO Five News. Unfortunately, we have another officer involved shooting that appears to be unjustified and involving a a fifteen year old young male. Uh, so just to give a little background, this this young male has had you know run-ins with law enforcement. He's been a frequent runaway. Just to get this part out of the way, he is a frequent runaway. He's been accused of burglaries, um, stealing weapons. He has a history, right? So uh, we get that. Uh, and in this situation, uh, I think this is particularly a difficult thing to approach and uh, to deal with because a lot of the times we're talking about criminal justice reform and we're talking about how we can use, utilize these uh, civ- civilian units, these non-firearm carrying units to try to rectify these matters in a less lethal way in a less dangerous way. Um, but as, as if, you know, the video is available, you know, honestly, I wasn't even coming in here to talk about this. I was going to talk about some, some, uh, some police updates, like some hot, hot cop topics part two, but I started seeing this pop up on my uh, news feeds and it, Kind of within the past six days, I've seen different articles from U.S. Today to the Oklahoman to uh, New York Times, and so it's it's just it's just it's out there right now. And um, this kid is so no one is questioning whether or not he committed this robbery, right? I mean, the store owner calls the police, locks him in the store, so he can't get out the front door. Police are pretty much held up outside of the store and are. Outside of the outside of the convenience store, I believe it was Oki's Food Mark, and and uh, they are outside of the store and guns drawn on the microphone, giving instructions, AKs in hand, and AKs, AR-15s in hand, rifles in hand, as well as handguns. Apparently, one person does have a less lethal weapon. So they start giving instructions to this kid, and they're like, "Hey, you know, kid, you need to." Exit the building, you know, police department. Um, and, and so apparently this kid is actually beginning to follow instructions. So that's concern number one. The kid is following instructions. The kid hopped out of a, a, a drive through window to follow instructions. So that was, that's one thing. And then, uh, so as they, as they proceed to, uh, give him more instructions, the energy level apparently is very high. The kid, they're yelling a lot of instructions for the kid, but the kid is kind of just moving and doing his own thing of what he thinks he needs to do to, you know, render him to, it looks like to surrender himself, to render himself uh, cooperative to the police department, as opposed to waiting for these officers to provide him instruction on what to do next. So he hops out the window and, and the mom in the Oklahoma article says that she knows her son. He is typically fidgety. He's naturally fidgety, naturally nervous, naturally a little bit uh, anxious. And he's hopping out the window. The first thing he does is has his hands up and then he reaches down to his shirt and he pulls up his shirt. And he shows that he has a something in his waistband, which in turn turns out to be a firearm. So then he reaches down to his waistband with his forefinger and its and his thumb and grabs the the handle of the firearm, the grip of the firearm, picks it up, bends forward, and drops it on the ground. 
right? So I'm I'm sure that's already gotten the officers on crucial alarm. He's not following instructions. He showed us the gun. He's trying to do his own thing and help us follow instructions. He, you know, he he had a firearm in his hand. That's a, that's a decent amount of process. I get it. That is not, you know what I mean? You're already kind of on edge. You're seeing red. But apparently this this kid then t- turned, like, as he has one hand and there is, he has his right hand, I believe, near his front pocket. Uh, and then as he turns to reach back with his other hand to for a cell phone, well, at this point, he reaches back to his back pocket. No, they don't know what he's grabbing for, grabbing for. And that is when shots are fired. 13 shots in the head, chest, and and I believe uh, arm. And uh, this kid is, is, of course, killed in that moment. And they discover that there's a cell phone in his back pocket. And the question is, is with all these civilian services that I, the question that I have, that of course, is rhetorical because <laughs> anyway, the question I have is with the what about criminal justice reform laws that we have in place is going to help this moment? Because this moment is not necessarily about this, a mental health response team wouldn't have come to this. Um Taking away rifles or armored trucks wouldn't have changed this. Get her in qualified immunity, maybe. Uh, I'll say that have somewhat of an impact. I don't know that that might have stopped maybe what let's just say let's be generous. Maybe that stops eighty percent of the officers from pulling the trigger. Even when they think they should. Unfortunately, multiple people were on that scene. That young, that young, you know, Stavion Rodriguez lost his life anyway. And the question is: is in that moment, you know, what could have been done? And so, I think, I think, you know, and I don't have all the answers, but the first thing I think about is: okay, the the officers are being held accountable; they're being prosecuted; where they're being charged. And now we have to see how the trial turns out um, and see if there are convictions for their behavior. Um, that's that's one thing, but that's after the fact. The biggest concern I have is officers' ability with to recognize what is a fear and what is a threat. The Supreme Court of the United States in uh, Graham v. Connor pretty much says that they operate off the objectable, reasonable standard, which means that if an objective person reasonably put themselves in the officer's position, would they have made a similar situation? Pretty much if you had the, all the information the officers had, you had the perception that the officer had, would you make that same situation, made that same shooting? Because that's what they're expected to be held accountable to. And if they, and if that, and if that is the case, then they would say that the officer's actions were constitutional. They were not a violation of the Fourth Amendment. So the so the real question is is an officer's ability. And I'm not you know look like I said I, I work in law enforcement, so this is not easy. Um, but I think us being critical, me being critical of myself as well as the profession is the only way we can improve and get it right. And I think the biggest thing is. How we need we need better training and helping officers identify what exactly is the threat 
And what exactly is the fear of the threat? I think a lot of times those two get confused and treat and are often treated the same. Like, hey, worst case scenario, he was dropping a weapon and then maybe reaching for a second weapon. There's police videos, training videos that, sh- that will show somebody trying to do something tricky. You know, they might be putting down a weapon and picking up another one, uh, get rid of a weapon and reaching for another one, uh, reaching for your weapon. You know what I mean? Just things that people have experienced that they train police officers and sheriff deputies and uh, even corrections officers how to avoid and troopers and or all of them. They train how to avoid to getting in a situation where you are pitting yourself at risk. In other words, how to limit, how to be as low risk and limit your liability. And that's kind of what this situation looked like as he was bending down, putting the gun down. It looks like he was picking up the gun. I mean, well, it looks like he could have been reaching back for something. He picked the gun down like he could have been reaching back for something. They perceived him reaching to his back pocket as a threat. But if you really take down articulate that if you really take the time to articulate and break down that threat, all you have in that moment is him after he put down the gun, he reached for his back pocket. So I think that uh, of course so of course they're they're rightfully charged, but I'm really concerned about our ability to determine the difference between a a threat and a favorite threat. And and of course, that extra moment is dangerous for police officers because that's one that's less, less time to react, less time to find cover, less time to defend yourself and pull the trigger. So I get it. It's not an easy decision to make, but that's something that we have to get better at because it doesn't. I mean, this kid is 15 and I know he's I know he's literally committing a robbery, but he's also climbing out of a drive through window and dropping a firearm on the ground to cooperate. So I feel like that should also make someone feel less likely that he's going to pull the trigger. I think also what also bothers me is the I'm all for, you know, organ collective bargaining and, and unions and organized labor because I think that's just that's just a whole nother conversation for another podcast, but I think it's just needed in today's America. But I think unions get themselves in trouble and get a and get an unnecessary bad rap when they come out so soon to defend and say and make a statement that defends these officers when if a, if a police department decides to hold their tongue and for more evidence, if lawyers decide to hold their tongue for more evidence, why can't police unions also just take the time to just hold their tongue until they get at least some more information? Like I know you're paid by the officers. I know they want you to defend them regardless, but if you want to maintain a sense of legitimacy, a sense of people are going to expect, are going to trust that you're going to be what they call procedurally just, you're going to do the right thing. You're going to follow the due process and do your due diligence to ensure that this matter is properly taken care of. Then please, you know, take the time, take time before you just issue a statement blankly. Um, and and in the videos that came out. This individual, the uh, spokesperson, the, the whoever that sergeant was on the K, uh, KLCO video, pretty much said that, hey, this it was an armed suspect that came out and, and, and all, that the police officers believe it was a threat. 
And I get it. That's a very short, concise way of, you know, get, letting people know what happened without saying too much. But it's also misleading because there is no mention of this kid about to drop the firearm. And I know they, you know, some if they're not being honest, they won't. But I think it just mis- it's, it's very misleading. And, it's, and so what the police thought, what, the, what, what a reform bill cannot do, uh, whether it's through federal or state legislature or with, uh, redoing or having a new pres- precedent or judicial standard in the Supreme Court, what they cannot do is restore trust. What they cannot do is make th- that kind of trust that people are given as an allowance inherently when you relate to somebody, when you can look at somebody, not know them, but kind of get a vibe for who they are, where they come from. Maybe they look like you. Y'all have some, y'all like you have some things in common and you just give them the benefit of the doubt. Like that kind of trust. Like, you know, I, I just don't think he wants to get in the shootout right now. You know what I mean? The kid just hopped out of a window. The kid just dropped a firearm on the ground. I don't think he wants to go out in the, quote unquote blaze of glory. And uh and I think that kind of mind frame, that kind of thought process. And then also there's a thing called uh sympathetic shooting where um I believe it's something like that. But my whole point is called sympathetic shooting in the sense that like once the person besides you start pulling the trigger, sometimes that person also pulls the trigger because they're trusting that they perceive something that was also a threat and they don't know if they're going to hit the target. So they start pulling a trigger and that's how you get a way like a, a multitude of people shooting all at the same time. This, uh, it's a very sad situation. Um, and one, another thing that caught my attention about, uh, this matter is outside of the mistrust and the culture of the department and, and what reform bills can't do is the mom. The mom has four kids. Dad is in out in and out of jail. The family situation is a little bit tough. Um, this was around November twenty third, and uh, at seven p.m. So this is close to Christmas. I mean uh, Thanksgiving, and so I can imagine stress being in there, being in their lives. And this kid is is going to the store to commit a robbery, and unfortunately, he actually um, loses his life. And mom says that. You know, she just she wants people to know that she's not a bad mom, that you can do everything you can for your kids, all while not giving up on your kids. And your still kids can still make mistakes and bad decisions that will that could that could put them in a horrible situation. Um, Because even even the neighbor tested, you know, spoke openly about how nice the kid was, how how Stavion was, how he uh, would pull her trash can back for her and ask her if she needed help to the point where she bought him Oklahoma city thunder tickets. Um, so, uh, this is, uh, of course this occurred in Oklahoma city. And, and so this is something that was a dramatic moment. This was a, uh, a sad moment. And, and the mom comes back and she says, normally when she watched, when she watched this on the news that same night, she just did. She never assumed it was going to be her son. And she pretty much told her kids, this is a lesson that you don't put yourself in places where you can get hurt and you won't have to worry about this. So that's just that's got to be heartbreaking for mom because she she unfortunately sees that you can put yourself in a rough situation, but yet it doesn't have to end with losing your life. So um, 
this trial is coming up. I provide further updates coming up. Um, but I think I'm going to leave it here. <laughs> and uh, let me know what y'all think about the shorter podcast. I know y'all you know, might listen driving to work or for lunch or something. And so um, but thank y'all for the support on the last podcast, by the way. The, I got a lot of uh, playthroughs, uh, wait, a whole lot of downloads, and um, and the support was phenomenal. You guys are really um, um Showing that you're interested in the content, I appreciate it, and uh, and I hope that you are taking something away from it. Hopes, hope it's something that helps you keep you helps you use. <laughs> hope it's something that you can use to help yourself stay safe, and and when you're coming in contact with police officers, and just a little bit more informed today than you were yesterday. So, um, the goal is for us to still not just run away from the society or run away from this problem, but to take it on head on to make it better for our kids. So with that being said, uh, thank y'all for joining me. Um, thank y'all for the next episode. Forever, I'ma push it wherever, whenever. And I love you cause you love my brother like you did. Just promise me you tell the story when you make it big. And if I die before your album drop, I hope. Promise that you will.